everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, but uh, since we've done this, but with very, very good reason. Yeah, we were traveling. Yeah, we were traveling and uh, lots of stuff has happened. Uh, lots of things have happened in the last few weeks, but we're going to get right into it. But if this is the first time you're joining us, I'm Sriram. And I'm Arthi. And what we like to do every single week or sometimes uh, after a couple of weeks of travel is <laughs> to get into how anybody really can go make it from, quote unquote, the outside to the inside. And whatever that means, whether it means making the world of technology, being a creator, uh, you know, whatever that means for you. And we like to talk to interesting people uh, who have done such things. But this week we wanted to do something different, uh, which is we want to do what we call a solo episode where we just kind of talk about what we kind of really been up to for the last uh, couple of weeks. So what have we the last couple of weeks? Uh, we traveled to India, mm-hmm. um, mostly family trip, you know, our folks live there. And so this is our chance uh, once a year to go back home. Chennai is where we grew up. So uh, we went to visit uh, our folks there. But in addition to, you know, all the family stuff and eating some really good food, we got to do our first ever in-person meetup for this show. And uh, that was, you know, we had... You know, to be very honest, we had like low expectations because mm-hmm. we kind of thought, okay, we did it the last minute. I mean, last minute just came together. Um, we also thought it's going to be low key. Chennai in that time, I think still now it's rainy. I think they had like an orange alert or a red alert for um, tropical thunderstorm, which is you know seasonal thing. And so we kind of expected not a lot of people to show up. Uh, and we thought, you know, low-key, just like few folks who've been listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. they can all come in and hang out. But how did it actually turn out to be? And, it, who, and who was responsible for all of this? Uh, it was amazing. And we owe a big shout out to Chris. Yeah. Uh, who Chris Bart. Chris Bart. Chris Bart. <laughs> there will be a link in the, you know, in whichever service you're watching this, there'll <laughs> be a link to his all of his social media. But Chris, uh, actually, I, the story of Chris and us is kind of interesting. So... Uh, he is, I think, an engineer uh, who works at uh, Freshworks in Chennai. But about a year ago uh, or so, he sent me a cold email. And it was a very specifically well-crafted cold email uh, meant for me. Um, and it got me hooked and engaged. Uh, and over the last year or so, uh, we DM, we chat a lot. Um, and we kind of always been talking about like, hey, we should actually meet up in person yeah. when uh, we're all in uh, visiting Chennai. He's from the same city we are from. And lives over there. Uh, and since, you know, in the last minute when we wanted to do this, we pinged him. We said, hey, can you help put something together? Mm-hmm. And uh, he did. So and it went amazingly, but we're going to get right into it. But, uh, you know, Chris, thank you so much. And if you folks don't follow him, go follow him. Uh, him and the folks at Fresh, uh, you know, Freshworks just did an amazing. Yeah, I mean, he had his whole crew of people who were who helped organize the whole thing. And, you know, this is everything from they basically converted the cafeteria into this whole stage. Uh, they had a slide deck when we showed up and they had like really prepared questions. They had these printouts of mm-hmm. questions that they'd gotten from the audience and curated the whole list. They they put in some serious effort. Yeah. So- and, and they had no reason to, right? You know, we paid them no money. There is nothing that we do uh, with them. So they just kind of did of the kindness of their hearts. So yeah. huge shout out. Thank you. I have, I'm not exactly sure if people can support Freshworks, but if you can, <laughs> go support them. Go follow them on social media. And, uh, and also, uh, if you made it to the event, thank you so much for just braving the rains and just being there. I know we sent out a form. We asked you to fill it out. And, you know, people came in. I We found out that people flew in from other states, you know, from New Delhi, from 
Bangalore, from, you know, just all over the place and uh, just so grateful. You know, it's it's kind of incredible to see the energy and the excitement. And we want to do more of these in-person events, right? Because it, I think it's one thing for us to sit in this room and do this podcast together. Mm-hmm. It's another to actually see all the people who've like watched our episodes, watched our content, who kind of know us and hang out with them in all in one place. For us, it was it was just really powerful. It was, yeah, it I would say Aadhi and I, we do this and, you know, we often just don't know how many people are watching, listening on the other side. You don't have a sense, uh, you know, uh, is it resonating? Uh, do people like it? And uh, and this was just like, just amazing for us because putting out a tweet and, you know, for folks who are not from Chennai or, you know, it, it rains a lot and it was raining a lot that day, you know, the schools were off and people show up is amazing so actually i'm going to pull up some you know i think there's some fun videos uh, from the event uh and i, I this was uh, thanks to arthi's uh sister who was there who was playing amateur videographer for us yeah, uh, sister sister husband ashwin everyone yeah. and ashwin thank a, you so this video uh, uh you know is basically us walking in uh and what do you actually remember when this happened i think uh you know we were waiting outside to be, um, they basically said they'll call our names and then we just show up on stage and we're like, well, okay. Mm. And then you walk in and there is this whole auditorium full of people. It's packed, right? And it's, and there is this like slideshow behind us and there are these like, you know, it felt like a very professional setup. Uh, and there were people, I was just so shocked to see all these people who just, you know, made it. And I, I know we like say this over and over again so far, but just amazing to see all this energy and all this momentum and just people cheering. Um, there was this whole like WWE uh, soundtrack. Uh, I think Chris really understood what excites you and kind of got, uh, you know, the, the soundtrack on stage. Yeah, Chris, uh, Chris put on a show. Like he's a performer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure he's doing fantastic with fresh works, but he understood how to put on a show. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and just the audience reaction was amazing. Um, and actually, for me, you know, we did a whole Q&A. We spoke about kind of life, career. Yeah, uh, we spoke about our journey. Um, you know, I, everything from uh, what got us into tech, the tech career, uh, working at Microsoft, uh, moving to the U.S., uh, starting companies, you joining, going from an operator to VC. And I think uh, some of the lines that we said, like, you know, we got a lot of people on Twitter reaching out to us later on you know, uh, people building in India, people being founders, we, we asked, you know, show of hands, we just asked uh, what the audience mix up was like. And a big chunk of them are founders. Uh, a lot of them are students, like really, really young. So we got a lot of questions around, you know, what they're studying, how to like have a career like us. I think one of my favorite moments from the whole event was a couple, one, just talking to everybody afterwards, just amazing. Yeah. Um, but before that, you know, I think I remember uh, being in events like this and not mm-hmm. so so long ago, like maybe 10 years ago or so. And I would sit there, uh, you know, in India or Seattle, whatever, and you would get somebody from Silicon Valley or VC or a founder show up and do a talk. Yeah. And they felt so far away. Yeah. Uh, metaphorically, uh, if not physically. Yeah. And uh, but the truth is, and I was kind of hoping to convey this uh, in our session there, it is they are not far away. Like anybody in the audience, just given the power of the Internet, power of technology, you know, power of Twitter, social media, YouTube, uh, this like one step away, right? Like, you know, from having a company, from building an online presence, from making it in yeah. some shape or form. 
And you know, I, I you know, and you know, one of the things I like to look at is like, you know, when we do one of these, you know, what kind of messages and comments we get back, and that bit there seemed to resonate a lot. It seems to resonate a lot. I also think it was for me, it was really great to see Chennai. Like, you know, we're biased towards Chennai because that's where we grew up. But when we were growing up, there was not much of a startup scene. Um, you know, being a founder, being an entrepreneur was not considered really cool. And now I, when we went back and we asked people, there's so many people who are like founders and that was very exciting. And, you know, a lot of people emailed afterwards, you know, either they're like in the middle of fundraising or like building really profitable companies, crypto companies, just so much activity and momentum. That was really gratifying for me to see. And uh, I think in the audience, people could see that from each other as well. Like you could like, they all looked around and said, whoa, okay, I'm not alone in this. There's just so much happening. And again, like one of the common things that we saw later was people tweeting and being like, why don't we do more meetups like this in Chennai? Yeah. Because uh, uh, we got to hang out with other founders like us and other yeah. people like us. And it was just validating for yeah. them to be there, I think. Yeah, I think one time we might have said this, which is, you know, it's fun and, you know, really amazing that these people came out and, uh, to see us, but we're going to fly away. We are there maybe once or twice a year, but the really interesting thing is the connections happening, right? Yeah. Like, you know, people meeting each other, yeah. maybe finding ways to work together, join each other's companies, yeah. work on a project, whatever it may be. Yeah. Like, those are really powerful because I remember being in all these open source meetups or Microsoft meetups back in the day when we were in college and, you know, that's kind of you know, formed based on so many friendships and relationships that continue on today. So, well, that was amazing. That was good. How was the post event? You know, people walking up and talking to you. Uh, I think we both, you know, the way it was, we both got like split up. And then there was this set of people next to Sriram and there was a set of people next to me. And uh, people just kept coming up and talking about their companies, hmm. talking about their ideas, talking about their plans to study. Well, I think somebody asked me if they should like really continue, finish up high school or whether they should drop out of high school and continue working. I think one person, I don't know if you followed up on this, wanted you to send a video to their parents. I did not follow up on this, but I should. I, uh, yeah, to convince them that crypto was legit. Yeah, and that this person could work on it. So this yes. person, send me a DM. I will send you a personalized uh, cameo. It's kind of like a cameo. You said that like three weeks I, I, I ago. Did, I did. So, so okay, <laughs> whoever you are, send me a note and, I, and send me the name of your parents and I will send a personalized video um, uh, um, you know, encouraging that, you know, uh, uh, I think there's a guy, right? Like, you know, encouraging yes. their son to actually go work at this. Yes, exactly. So that was great. I think uh, it was just great. It was awesome to just meet people and just, you know, have the sense of these are our people. You know, I think... I mean, the, our people, nerds. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, for us, the, the reason why we do this show, um, we've always thought of ourselves as outsiders. You know, we were outside the Silicon Valley system. We are outside like the, the United States, like way of like, we didn't, you know, grow up here. We weren't born here. Um, you know, tech was basically all we had. And uh, we just happened to like fall into that right place and find the thing that we were interested in and we're also really good at. And that kind of paved the way for us to become insiders here. And so I think after all these years, this is our way, this show and what we do is our way of giving back and trying to tell people that you can do that too. And whatever that means to you as being an outsider to becoming an insider. And for us, this was a physical manifestation of that because these were our yeah. friendly neighborhood nerds. Yeah. 
who were all coming together in one place. Actually, uh, also much deeper purpose for me, which is you know, sometimes you need to go back to the source. You know, in all these uh, yes. superhero <laughs> movies, uh, yes. there's, a, there's kind of a thing which usually happens in superhero movies where yeah. the, you know the superhero kind of loses you know his or her powers, and you know they need to go back to the origin yeah. and go rediscover uh, the thing that you know made them work made in them the first good. place. Yeah. Right? And for us, you know, it is this scene: nerds, you know, sweaty. Uh, you know, not well dressed. Uh, you know, just hanging out. You know, no, uh, working on esoteric, weird projects. And this was our childhood. This was our uh, upbringing, really. And that was that was a source. Like that is the origin story. Yeah. You know, that is the you know the Krypton blowing up. You know, that that is ev for everything that you know that has happened since. Yeah. And every once in a while, I think it really helps, definitely me mentally, to go back and reconnect with that energy it's yeah. like the green lantern right need to go recharge batman uh, going back to his uh yeah well i don't know cave uh, uh, the cave or yeah. you know the green lantern like you know charges from you know uh, the, sure. the, the lantern and uh you know it it tropics is every superhero movie. but it kind of going back connecting there you know it kind of reminds you how we got into all of this um every single person there we don't know any of them because you know they're all like 20 years younger than us but we knew the predecessors right our friends were exactly yeah, people like yeah. them and and it, i think it's in our own way i think it's our way to like fight cynicism in yeah. some way i think uh, as we get older people you know generally there is a lot of cynicism both online and just like people we meet oh you know yeah that can't be done or oh if only you knew or you know all the difficulties all the hardships and you kind of have to like look past all of that and you kind of, you know, I think Mark Andreessen says this a lot. It's about like, what what can you build? What can you get done? Uh, and focusing more on the constructive side of things. And I think uh, this helps us just recharge. And oh, think, yes. Think about what people are building. Oh, yeah. It, it's just so much fun. And uh, it, it, you know, sometimes I feel bad because we can't, you know, I can't actually always help them or have, you know, very good advice. Like somebody would ask me, you know, hey, I'm working on Project X company Y, what should I do? And that's it's just really hard in a 30 second conversation. Um, but it's just so energizing, right? Like, for example, we saw people working on drones and satellites and yeah. lots of crypto, lots of AI, uh, just just fun and just fun stuff. And it was just so energizing. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so I think we're going to do a lot more of these. Yeah, I think uh, we would love to do one in the Bay Area at some point. Uh, we want to see if we can do these in other cities too. We travel to other places, so we want to see if we can start hosting these because I think more than us connecting with the audience, I think there is something powerful about the audience connecting with each other and uh, knowing that they are not in this on their own. Um, and I think for us, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that was gratifying when we looked around and we were like, oh, wait, like we're not the weird ones. There are other weird people like us. And so I think uh, it just helps to... Um, have these meetups, these in person. Now that COVID is officially over, uh, yes, well, it is. That's going to be the end of the ranking for this episode. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, we also, I think, want to do this internationally. So we might be, you know, I think that's we're trying to figure out whether we can do this in, in the Middle East uh, early next year. Definitely in in the Bay Area. Definitely in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, and you know, we could go, go back to India pretty frequently. Yeah. So I mean, if you attended the one in Chennai. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you thought about it, whether you liked it, if, you, if there's things that we could do better. Uh, if you would like, uh, you know, for us to do these in the city that you are in, leave us a comment too. Uh, we would love to figure out how to make it happen. And uh, obviously, we're going to need help because we live in San Francisco, other cities. We don't, we're not as plugged in. So, you know, I would love to see how we can make it all happen. But leave us a comment. Tell us what do you think about uh, in-person meetups? 
um and uh, what you would like out of those if we do those in uh, the city that you are in love it love it all right what else happened in the last few weeks <clears throat> okay <laughs> let me okay let me <laughs> all right let's do this all right this guy happened um, and everything around love oh, not this guy what <laughs> that was not the screen i thought you were going to put up but okay <laughs> well, i don't i don't know what you had in mind okay back to basics what happened well all things elon and twitter happened and Blake Johnson. Uh but you know it it was the last you know it was the few weeks of uh Elon uh taking over of Twitter and you know it feels like you know there's been like a a news story every single day connected to that but uh you know I was involved in the first couple of weeks or so uh just around especially the first few days and uh, you know it just kind of just a, a just a, a remarkable thing you know Twitter is a company that I care a lot about Uh, it's not just just because I've worked there for a few years. I do think that. I think it, I'm going to ask a question. Other people are thinking: uh, Are you the new Twitter CEO? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right? <laughs> uh, the, the, this was uh, this was asked me in the airport in Chennai, in Chennai uh, which is like no, absolutely not. Uh, there's only one guy who runs Twitter, and you know you can follow him at Elon Musk. Look, Twitter is such an important service for the world, and you know not just because I've worked there, but I, there will be like hundreds of people that I have met. Mm-hmm. Uh, through twitter yeah. through following them through dming them or you know just following their work or whatever so it it, it was just, just like outsized value oh yeah, yeah. It, it, you know it's just like it just has like you know such uh, importance a uh, place to play for a role to play for all humanity and it's just exciting right uh, you know i it just i'm excited for the future it's definitely not boring and there's a bunch of fun so you worked at twitter you ran product there for a bit uh before a16z how was it to get a badge and go back in there Oh my goodness! Very weird. Uh, very weird. Okay. Uh, so I, I was there the first day, the morning. How, how did they even let you in? How did they know who you are? I think they, I think they had my name on a list uh, or somewhere. But it was, it was really weird because I had not been there physically in the offices since the day I left, and uh, and I remember showing up there. And this was, I think, this was actually an hour or so after this whole Ligma Johnson thing played out. Okay. And I remember showing up, and there were. all these camera crews oh okay uh, there was a huge number of camera crews yeah all standing around yeah and i was like okay first question by first like how do i get up get in there uh, and get past the crews and the funniest thing is you know as i was walking in and one one person uh, i forget i actually don't know who they were like working some network stop me you know i'm 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 6 foot 6 kind of hard for me to sneak in and blend in so uh, <laughs> and they stopped me and they were like you know they stuck this Mike and they were like, "Do you work for Twitter?" And I could honestly say, "No, right?" Like, and I just let me go. And I was like, "All right, thank you." So, uh, and uh, I didn't want to ca- cause some camera moment there. So, but I kind of snuck in, and I would say it felt so weird because it is a place where I had not been, you know, even a single minute since I left. And I walked in. I saw immediately when I walked in, I saw so many people that I knew, yeah, uh, you know, that I had worked with, yeah. and uh, you know, and I think. and everyone kind of had the feeling that this was a very unique remarkable day um and, you know i think so when they saw me they were like i think they were like shocked but they were also like oh okay this is a unique weird remarkable day and there's more to it um and but it you know it was very so i guess um you got to watch elon musk up close uh just working you know basically starting up you know, get, getting a sense of what twitter was like like for him i think the whole system is new mm-hmm. uh he didn't know the code base didn't know you know how twitter function how was it to watch him i guess ramp up like this is basically new employee orientation for elon mm-hmm. musk right 
Uh, how was that whole thing, just watching him up close? One of the things I love about Elon is that pretty, pretty much most of what he does is in public. Yeah. So if you've been following along on Twitter, you know, you probably have like a sense of like a lot of, uh, of what he has done. Mm -hmm. But I think a few things which really stood out to me, um, you know, one is uh, one is his emphasis on speed. Um, and, um, you know, pretty much every action, question, decision, which was, <laughs> you know, which in a lot of other, you know, environments, definitely in Twitter in the past would have been debated, discussed, you know, analyzed for months and weeks on end. He has this incredible strong bias towards making rapid progress. And, you know, I think. Is it because he's a solo decision maker as opposed to making decision by committees? That really helps uh, that he's a solo decision maker. But, you know, there are a lot of other companies which have should technically have solo decision makers, right? A lot of the companies have CEOs mm -hmm. who should be a solo decision maker. But I don't think he has a bias to action. Um, right. And, you know, and I think his stance often is hey, let's go try something. If it doesn't work out, we throw it back. It's just software. We'll go try something else. Uh, that's how we iterate and find out. Um, and a lot of other companies could do that, and they do. For example, when I was at uh, Facebook way back in the day, and Facebook kind of changed way back a little bit now. It's been over 10 years, I think. Uh, but they were very much in the, okay, let's go try a bunch of things. If it doesn't work out, it's fine. So that was yeah. one. But there's going to be a strong bias towards action. I think the, the very liberating thing for me was seeing him go, okay, I'm making a decision and I'm ultimately accountable. Uh, you know, I think there's a few things which the technology industry has drifted uh, away from um, over the last decade or so. Uh, and in some ways, I think the, the last few weeks on Twitter uh, have been kind of a reminder of how technology used to work. The first one is having a solo, strong um, leadership presence who takes accountability, you know, for all the decisions. How would they may turn out? Mm -hmm. And I think as tech industry has as tech companies in industry have gotten larger and larger, there has been an obfuscation um, of who actually makes a decision, right? Like, for example, you know, the way I think about it is like, you know, so often I'll see these like product launches or product being killed, there'll be like no name on the blog post. Um, right, you know, right. it, it'll be like, oh, the, you know, the, the committee at, you know, insert fine company here has decided the wisdom of their ways to go kill something, right? right? Or to go make a decision, to go take down an account, to go change prices. Right. And um, and I this is kind of harkens back to a day where, you know, kind of like Steve Jobs or, uh, you know, I think like that Larry Ellison in the 90s, having these very strong founder figures who are saying, I'm making this decision, this is on me. If it goes well, you know, great. If it doesn't, it's also on me. So I think that was really liberating a fresh reminder. I know, I think if there's one connective tissue through this whole episode between our Chennai trip and uh, what, what I've been seeing at Twitter, it is kind of a reminder of how technology used to work and mm -hmm. how technology companies used to work and how they actually originally became successful in at least in the 2000s, late 90s, 2000s uh, era. Okay. So, so that's one with Elon. The I think the other thing which uh, really struck me about Elon is his incredible bias towards simplicity and first principles, mm -hmm. uh, where very often I think, you know, you get locked up in these layers of abstraction um, about uh, part technological part people driven and um and i think anybody who works in the technology industry you know um, um you, you would have been in a meeting where you're like you're so far removed from what a customer is seeing or what the basics are that you're like what are we even talking about anymore and pretty much every discussion i saw with elon um was very much about the basics right which is very much about what is the simplest possible thing 
And if there's the simplest what, possible... What could be like an example? Well, you know, like, for example, there was this big debate at one time, um, or in any company, there could have been a big debate about what the pricing for, say, the verification badge uh, yeah. should be. I mean, that was controversial. Well, yes, but, you know, you can imagine, like, you know, some company would hire a high-priced consultant, they would do months and months of studies, uh, etc., uh, but the way, you know, I think Elon approached it, and trust me, you know, if you've been following his tweets, you, uh, you know, you've been following the story, is he basically picked a price point. Mm -hmm. And I think his approach is, it's a great start. If it doesn't work, we'll try and change it, right? If it works, amazing, right? And I think kind of that goes to pretty much every other uh, decision as well. Um, and it's just very liberating to go, okay, we now want to sit in committees and meetings and, you know, go watch decks of research uh, for months and months and then let's go try something. Uh, let's go throw this out in the world, see how the world reacts, and then um, learn from it. So mm -hmm. I think his bias towards uh, speed, uh, simplicity, and taking just kind of clear, crisp ownership was uh, really interesting. Uh, the third part, you know, and I think, you know, I think this has been controversial, but I think I've had so many people talk to us about how inspired they were, which is it kind of is a throwback to when everyone at tech, tech company really loved what they were doing yeah um you know when we were teenagers or maybe young not teenagers in Microsoft we would spend like late nights there writing code we had all these like strong social relationships from where we just kind of hang out at 11 p.m 1 a.m um yeah I think we would like try and get the last shuttle out uh, yeah. back home like you know these tech companies they had shuttles back home and so last shuttle was like 3 a.m or something and uh and sometimes if you miss that you kind of have to stay back at the office and uh, you can kind of stay for a couple of nights i think one time we got kicked out because a janitor was like we really need to clean your cubicle so get out of here um i think uh, now i think elon one of the emails and I, i'm outside the whole system so i don't get to see what was it like inside but i think he framed it as uh, we are going to be really hardcore mm. and you know i think that's kind of what you were getting at like what does it mean to be hardcore yeah uh, i had a a mutual friend of ours from way back in the Microsoft days reach out, uh, you know, this person wants to work at Twitter um, and we're having this whole conversation and, you know, and he pointed out that, you know, when back at Microsoft in the mid early 2000s, right, when he would work late hours and just go really push and just write great code, uh, he used to get ne negative performance review feedback all the time. And this guy was genuinely, you know, when we worked with him, you know, one of the best uh, developers we knew, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, when he saw, you know, all of the kind of kind of Elon principles on how he wants to work, it felt like, okay, well, okay, I'm thankfully now there is somebody or there is a company or there is a culture where that way of working holds true. Now, to be clear, like this doesn't mean that, you know, for us, right? Like when, when, we, when we were there at Microsoft, nobody asked us to, nobody demanded that we stay late nights, you know, we had, you know, fun, we would travel, but we just really enjoyed uh, building things yeah. and um, and uh, you know and we really enjoyed building software and the technology part of it yeah. uh, and so it wasn't really work it was just so much fun it felt like I, I mean I can honestly say this because I remember that feeling and sometimes it bums me that we don't have that feeling much anymore but I remember walking into our first jobs at Microsoft and looking around and I think uh, you know I think you were like looking at the Windows code base or something and I remember looking around at one night being like, I can't believe we get paid for this. Mm -hmm. Like, I would do this for free. This feels like an absolute privilege to be able to be here, learn from these people. Like everybody there were like orders of magnitude smarter than us, um, just willing to help us out. Uh, just, you know, 
we're super young brash little kids straight out of college and it just felt so good to be in this place where i could not believe that we were getting paid to do this to mm-hmm. build software and so i think for me like my takeaway with the, the hardcore component was if you really love something that you do it doesn't feel like a job it feels like you want to spend your time doing it nights weekends whatever like not looking at it as like 40 hours a week kind of thing but also like really be proud of the work that you're doing and uh, just have bring in like energy bring in enthusiasm bring in positivity i feel like somewhere in the last decade or so we kind of sort of lost that uh and a lot of companies and you'd see these in pockets like in some companies that i worked in you'd see these in pockets where you know the engineers we like you know all jam together stay up like later yeah. or even even through covid times over zoom calls and stuff like you could like kind of make it happen but it just lost that sense of oh my god we are all yeah. doing this together and it, working really hard and it is not a function of time though i think that's part of it i mean you know we definitely won't be able to spend late nights at work or you know uh, with yeah, kids and kids everything and, everything, and i don't yeah. think it's expectation but even now you know i know people our age group much older and i can tell and all of us can tell when somebody's really into what they're doing, doing it's the way they communicate it's how quickly they get back to you it's how much energy they put into things even when you don't ask them um you know things outside of the day job and you can also tell when somebody is just there right yeah. so um and there is something so energizing when you run into somebody and this is not being technology it can be really you know any industry it, and they're just really into it right yeah. they know all the references they are you know spending late hours on the internet searching something yeah. um you can tell and that is energizing and for me like that's what at least for me you know that's what uh, quote unquote being a uh, hardcore means there is another part of it which i've been thinking about which is as technology companies have become larger and larger um yeah and maybe because they could afford to they have sometimes drifted away from the core basics of what mm-hmm. we do and the core basics of what you often do is you build amazing product and then you know you're trying to figure out a way to sell them distribute them um and in some ways i think you know what twitter 2.0 is back to the basics right it is this is a software company you build amazing software yep. uh and that's a heart of uh, what you do right and of course you know there's other parts to it too and uh, i think over the last 15 years as companies made money and they could afford to and they became larger and larger you had a lot of ancillary functions mm. and i know like pretty much everybody here in the technology industry you would walk somewhere through a meeting and you'd be like i have no idea what this person does right or why are they here like what is their whole mm. function right why do they have a whole org and everybody can relate to one of these comments mm-hmm. and um and i think this is a throwback to we are okay we are here to build tech is it is it just because these companies got overstaffed like is it a function of being over <clears throat> overfunded and overstaffed as a result well uh, i think there's a few things happened and you know and i think mark and recent talks about this when he talks about james burnham and the professional manager class yeah, yeah. uh and i also want to shout out you know like uh, david friedberg uh you know on all in podcast who had like a great comment about this fairly mm-hmm. recently so in the mid 2005s or so you know if you were joining a google uh you were either you you're young you're hungry you really wanted to work in tech but then over the years and i don't mean pick on google to be anybody but you know just pick on google for a second you know it became bigger you know they made dramatic amounts of money and you know these people became older and often like you you started to build all these huge orgs yeah. right like yeah. you know 1000 people orgs uh, several thousand um people and then that's kind of how you got graded on success on how big your team your org was like i you know i remember 
every six months when you have like performance cycles and stuff, people be like, how big is the org that you run? Yes. And uh, and how much budget do you get to hire more people for the next six months? And that became uh, an indicator of success as opposed to what you've shipped or how fast yeah. you've like hit specific metrics. I think it's also because of the economics. Um, you right. know, this may sound crazy for people who are not there, but in 2004, 2005, there was an idea that if you got a job at Google, you know, you are going to become generationally wealthy. Actually, mm -hmm. it may have been true. I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But there was, uh, I didn't, uh, um, but, um, and that, that might have been true for a while because, you know, um, companies went public, it went, it kept growing. Stop but at some time, you know, the, you know, the, your company's value or your values and RSU is going up 10x or, you know, every few years stops. Right. Um, and then, you know, the function of uh, your, economic opportunity the function of you know your career opportunity kind of becomes how big your org is mm. um, 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 and how many people you run and what functions you control and so you get these huge mini fiefdoms happening in these companies um, and uh, I think that kind of contributes a lot to what we're kind of seeing in terms of this bloat of multiple functions and multiple people which you know like big companies i kind of get it like they have a lot of money like google has a money printing machine in the basement it works out really well it is really frustrating for me to see smaller startups do that where they have a lot of these ancillary functions and bloat uh like way off the bat and that to me just feels like why like mm -hmm. the one advantage that startups have is speed and once you have a lot of people in the room making decisions, that goes away as an advantage. Like, yeah. That's just the nature of how things will work. Some of it I think is just mimetic because I think some of these startup founders are looking at Google. And being um, like, they're successful, yes. we need to do that. But they're looking at the Google of 2018 or 2020. They're not looking at the Google of 2002 yeah. uh, or 1998, which yeah. was a very, very different place. Yeah. And they're saying, okay, well, Google has X, Y, and Z. You know, they, they have X function, you know, they have Y perks. Yeah. I need those too. Yeah. Um, whereas the Google of 1998, you know, if you go look at- Literally the, in a garage. Literally in a garage, there's a bunch of like nerdy people writing code. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think uh, Mike Solana, you know, Pirate Wires, if you follow his Substack, I think he made a recent post, which I thought was great, where he basically said, we need more people going back into garages and uh, building things from a garage. I think it's gotten- really fashionable to have very fancy offices with mm -hmm. free kombucha and i think you can have that if you've really proven that this can scale and work and uh, you're incredibly yeah. successful but until then you don't have to mimetically follow what these other big companies are doing with respect to free stuff and lots of people yeah. i think i'm not as against all the free stuff i think uh, you know some other people are but i think they forget like how it all came to existence because right. google right, in, right, right. you know in the early uh, just because we're talking about google it, the story of Google is like, you know, Larry and Sergey wanted to basically recreate the academic environment mm. that they grew up in, you mm -hmm. know, Stanford. They want to kind of create a Stanford world, you know, a, a, you know, just like a, a couple of like, you know, a, a, a 10 minute walk away on Google campus. Mm. Um, and, you know, and so academic life means, you know, well, you have access to all the stuff, but you also right, kind of hang right. out, you I live together, you play together, you're building all this uh, stuff together. Um, so that was the idea. But I think over the last 15, 20 years, um, you know, we kind of drifted away from that. And my, I, I think the, the time when I really realized that we've kind of drifted away was about five, six years, uh, about a few years ago, I, I wouldn't name which company, but there was this huge internal strife that somebody had stopped supplying organic bananas in mm -hmm. the pantry. So it, they, the idea was like, hey, you know, for one or two days, there were all these other fruits and 
all these other food supplies you could get for free. But for just one day, there was an issue with the organic banana provider. And so they're going to have, you know, inorganic bananas just for a day, right? And there was this huge internal kerfuffle about how could this be allowed to happen? Uh, and this made me go like, wow, we have really, you know, shifted gears, uh, uh, you know, from this being like, oh, you know, we're just going to feed people because you're going to hang out. They're going to put all their love and energy and soul into work into this being just people what expect. So that's one. Now, I think here's an interesting question, which I think about. I think what's happening with Twitter and Twitter... I just love that you said inorganic bananas with like no <laughs> no sense of irony. Well, I, I, I don't know, like well, bananas are not inorganic. But what are the opposite of like, <laughs> not organic? Uh, yeah. Uh, what are the inorganic bananas? Are they like made in like I don't know a replicator? Tea, all three, and then banana. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we will we will figure out what an inorganic banana is, and there will, will there be a link in the comments. No, no, there won't be. You keep saying that. I'm the one who actually puts all those links in there. Now I have to go through the episode and find these like links to inorganic bananas. Yeah. <laughs> see below. There won't. There'll be nothing. But see below. So I think one interesting question is what I think is happening at Twitter, uh, quote unquote, hardcore Twitter, Twitter two O, is a harbinger of what I think a lot of tech industries is going to go through. Because with a recession or a pullback in some shape or form, you're seeing all these layoffs. And when these happen, you're going to get a shrinking back to the basics, mm -hmm. which is what is the core of what we do? Um, and, and if that is building uh, great software products and selling them or distributing them, whatever the core of it is, there's going to be a shrinking back to the core. So I suspect you're going to see other parts of the tech industry actually watch what is happening at Twitter closely. I know several founders who are watching this closely and who really, really want to do similar things to what Elon is doing at Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, even in the last couple of weeks, um, when I talked to founders, you kind of started seeing that where it's like, oh, can we do what Elon did? Or, you know, can we like start to really think about the fundamentals of our business and really think about unit economics? And this should have always been the norm, right? This is not some like newfangled fashionable thing to do because Elon's doing it. Like this is kind of how companies used to work and, you know, how companies found success, mm -hmm. focusing on the basics, focusing on the math behind what makes a company work. And uh, it's 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 kind of nice. I'll take it. It's refreshing yeah. to see these companies kind of pivot back or reverse back to the mean and uh, kind of figure out ways in which they should scale and grow and find customers and, you know, build things for these users who've been asking for it as opposed to having using the budget, using the funding to go hire a lot of people and pretend that you're in a really big, successful business. Yeah. And when, when we say basics, I think it doesn't have to be technology. You know, for example, if there is a company and I'm making it up, let's say Nike, the heart of what they do probably isn't technology. The heart, a lot of what they do is marketing. And of course, they build amazing um, products. It has to be at the heart of whatever it is that your company is doing. right? Yeah. And one question which I think comes up so sometimes is how do I, as an individual working in Silicon Valley or technology, how do I position myself if there's a multi-year recession? And my thought would be find a way to get close to the business equation of whatever your company does, right. whatever your industry does. Right. Um, and that could be building software, that could be selling stuff. But the closer you are to the actual thing, you're probably going to be better positioned. Right. The further away you are and the more intangible the value you're adding 
you know, the more pressure you're going to come on when push comes to shove and somebody has to cut costs or somebody has to go take a hard look. And that could mean anything. That could mean building product. That could mean marketing. That could mean sales. It usually has to do something with creating the thing that you the company sells yeah. and how it actually gets distributed. That's probably going to yeah. be at the yeah. heart of it. Yeah. Uh, I think those are safer uh, the closer you are to that core. And the more you are on the periphery or the concentric circles that extend outside, probably the more at risk you're going to be. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I also think uh, that's the same kind of um, treatment I would apply for finding companies too. You need to be able to really simply articulate how this company functions. What's the plan to make money? if not now, in the future. I think a lot of people have just become so, uh, it's become cool to not ask that. Monetization has become a bad word. I, I know you and I differ on this a lot where you, you know, I think for me, it's really about thinking about the fundamentals of the business and really understanding it. And uh, if you are an individual, if you're a student who's just graduated, it's okay to ask very basic questions on how do you make money or what does this company do? And really trying to understand that because we've now come to this era of, software companies or you know general companies and overall that just like say the things that make other people feel good about themselves and you don't have to do that like you have to be really really cutthroat about like what do you build what do you sell how do you sell it who are your customers how do you scale this and ask these very very basic questions and i think i'm kind of excited about getting back to that state of normalcy. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you're going to see a lot more companies. I saw a few companies, I think this patch of YC when they applied, you know, just very simply articulate what they do and build and stuff. And I think that I'm just really excited for that. Yeah. Uh, if you're a student just graduating, what would you do? It really depends on so many factors. Is this but, a good time to start a company? I, I think anytime is always a good time to start a company. If you empirically, one way to look at this is like what has happened historically. Uh, if you look at it empirically, some of the, the great tech companies have come through really, really tough times. Uh, the early 2000s had a great, it's a set of great companies who survived and made it through. Mm -hmm. uh, but also if you look at 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. um, which was the you know the GFC, the Great Financial Crisis. You had companies like I think Twitter was founded around then, um, Dropbox, yeah. uh, uh, you know Google's kind of real heyday started happening around then. So absolutely right because there's a few factors going for you. Number one is there's less competition for talent. Mm. Uh, it's definitely going to be harder to uh, raise capital and you know uh, get into sort of like an economic good zone. Uh, maybe, uh, but maybe that constraint is a good thing. It, it could very much be a good thing because you know I think is maybe going to force you to really take a hard look at your business equation, what you're building, do people want it, how is it going to get distributed, all, all that good stuff. Uh, but I think there's going to be less war for talent, so you might find it easier to go hire great people because mm -hmm. you don't have to compete with multi-million dollar job offers from right. Facebook, Google, right. Right. Um, which know, is a Microsoft. huge advantage. Yeah. I mean, back when I was building companies, it's like, it's incredibly hard to compete against uh, not just like the apples to apples paycheck number, but like all the benefits and bells and whistles and every, like all the perks that, you know, big companies provide as a startup, it's just incredibly hard for you to go match that. So this might be just a good time to like get some of that incredible talent. Yeah. So go score that GitHub, go, you know, go ask your friend for who the best engineer they knew is and they know are and go get them. Um, so I think that's a huge advantage. Uh, I think the other part of it is uh, usually if you go, this is also the time where uh, you don't have competition who are rapidly scaling. Mm -hmm. So you almost have like more time to go really build, take your time, go explore the idea maze, uh, go really understand the market. 
um, you know, in different fundraising times, you have people who are like very quickly fundraising and trying to win a category just through the ability to raise capital. That's probably not going to be happening uh, in a lot of places uh, right now. So you just have more time um, and more time, less competition. And that's I think that's why some of the great companies come out of recessions. Now, there's a flip side to it. The flip side is it's going to be definitely harder to raise uh, capital. capital. Yeah. Uh, if you are selling products, it's probably you're going to find that a lot of people are, aren't willing to try new things, uh, especially on the business side, uh, um, especially things which are not core. Like to, enterprise companies. Things yeah. Like that. Right. Yeah. If you're selling to businesses, you know, everyone's going to take a hard look at their budget. They are going to you know, try and do the math on, hey, is this thing adding core business value? So the further away from that, you're probably going to struggle. Even if you're in the, you know, the core equation, it's probably, you know, going to be a harder conversation to convince people on, hey, um, you know, um, go look at this new thing. Um, so definitely a lot of things, it's the game is going to be a hard, harder mode for a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. But look, this is where the great companies came out of. So I, and I think this is a great time to be going building companies. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, go build, go find if you are an engineer or, you know, you want to go join a startup, this might be a good time to go find those as well mm -hmm. and uh, figure out like which one you want to go get the maximum learning out of. Um, and so, you know, as much as it's it's recession, you know, upcoming recession or like layoff time and it's just things looking a little bleak, you can actually turn this around for yourself and, uh, you know, in a couple of years come out ahead. Yeah, agree. I think it's going to be an un, not a fun. Who knows how long, right? Like nobody, yeah. nobody can make predictions. I definitely can't make predictions. Uh, you know, it could be months, it could be longer, it could be shorter. Right. But it's definitely going to be hard. You're definitely going to see a lot, lot of people lose their jobs, have to make hard life choices. So that is very challenging, and people are going to go through some yeah. hard times. Uh, uh, but at a macro level, you know, if you go, look, you know, look at post 2008, 2010, you that's where the great technology boom right, right, one right. happening and right. uh or historically there are a lot of the other patterns but uh i think it's a great time to go build companies yeah yeah i think you know bringing this all back to elon i think it's worth worth it for you to ask yourselves every week what have you gotten done this week what have we gotten done this week we got this episode done after a couple of weeks yes so that, that's yes. something <laughs> i i know i know so well uh, <laughs> on that note <laughs> on that note uh, Ada thanks for listening uh, you know if as always where do people find us on the internet um, we are on YouTube we are the Arthi and Shriram's uh, Good Time Show uh, we are also on all the podcast platforms you'll find us on Spotify which has video now you'll find us on Apple Podcasts basically everywhere else where you'd find podcasts leave us a comment uh, we really really like hearing from you I think uh, one about the meetup if you'd like one in your city where you are leave us a comment leave us a note uh, but also what you thought about this episode, if you'd like for us to do more of these in, you know, obviously we have a bunch of guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be December and uh, we've just lined up a few awesome guests who are you know going to come back onto our show. And so um, we, we also love doing these solo episodes. We call them solo because we don't have a guest here and it's just us. So if you like this kind of format and if you'd like us to cover specific topics, leave us a note as well. We just like hearing from you. There we go. Well, thanks. Until next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>